Hello and welcome to Driving Discussions. In this series, we'll discuss the forces that affect road fuels globally. In this episode, we'll be discussing the Colonial Pipeline shutdown and the repercussions on the market and the impact ultimately to transportation fuels. Driving Discussions is brought to you by Argus Media, which as many of you already know, is a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. I'm Stephen Jones, Senior Vice President at Argus covering oil markets. With us today is John Demopoulos, Vice President of the America's Refined Products Markets, and Dave Reisard, Editor of U.S. Refined Products. So welcome to the podcast, guys. How are you, John? Hey, Stephen. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. And hey, Dave. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, you know, we're, we're basically setting up this podcast during the middle of the incident, uh, but things are already looking like uh, the pipeline is going to restart and we've had some interesting market conditions. But I think for our listeners, let's let's kind of give them a backstory on exactly what happened and how things evolved. Uh, so why don't we start with you, Dave? Um, can you kind of give us a, a little backdrop on how this thing started rolling forward? Yeah, so to the best of our knowledge, they received this uh, ransomware attack. And um, so on noon, around noon last Friday, so this would be the last day of the month, they um, shut down operations to sort through it. And they came out later around midnight and said that um, um, that it was a ransomware attack. Initially, they just said they were having systems issues. Um which this, which caused them to shut down the entire pipeline, which is a pretty big deal because um, it, it's absolutely critical to sending fuel into the Atlantic Coast market where we have a, a big chunk of consumers and, and very little local refining capacity. Well, I guess uh, so. the back backdrop on this is a lot of news stories have been saying it's two and a half million barrels a day of lost supply. In reality, the pipe was running somewhere well south of 2 million barrels a day, but it's still a huge impact, right, uh, in terms of the volumes? It is. Um, it's a huge impact on the volumes. You're right. I mean, for a long time, Colonial Pipeline was absolutely stuffed to the gills with product. In fact, you know, people were buying line space, which is basically sort of like scalping um concert tickets or something like that in order to be shipping product on Colonial Pipeline. And, and since then, they've been paying people to take space that's owed to them. So that sort of shows that it's not as full as it used to be and not as much as going up as there was, um, you know, two years ago. Line space is a, a, a price that we assess and uh, publish to the market. And it represents whether or not the line's spare, or if it's full, how much it's valued at, right? Correct. And, Correct. and so with the pipeline down and restarting immediately, probably going full to catch up on storage, are we going to see line space impacts uh, that will be a, a bit unusual? You think they'll be long extended? Well, currently they drifted to um, flat. So, you know, these markets are unusual in that you can have negative or positive numbers. And um, they've been hovering just above positive at, at times, which implies that there is an increase in demand, even though the pipeline isn't running. So yeah. basically, everyone wants to make sure that they're in line to get product moved on that pipeline into the East Coast, which is everyone from, you know, basically, mm -hmm. you know, the Carolinas up into New York Harbor. 
Yeah, I guess uh, New York Harbor issue brings us to kind of the next thought in the sequence of events. Uh, John, when we think about you know how significant this infrastructure impact and loss of volumes were, what, what were the traders' initial reactions? I mean, we, in hindsight, a little bit, didn't see quite the price movement that might have been anticipated for such a large loss, huh? Yeah, I think that was one of the interesting parts of this, that prices really didn't react nearly as much as perhaps we would have expected them to. Even the even the spreads between different markets were fairly stagnant, to be honest, um, from, from uh, early Friday, you know, a, a half cent here or a half cent there, um, which for traders is meaningful, but for the wider public is... Um, not all that exciting. Uh, but to your question, what did they do? Well, you know, as I understand it, as soon as as soon as it became clear that nominations onto the colonial pipeline were no longer possible, um, the the folk that trade these uh, gasolines and diesels at the Gulf immediately started booking up ships, as a sort of alternative way to get the product where it needed to be or to store it. So, you know, we saw within a half hour, we saw all of the Jones Act compliant barges snapped up. Um, A lot of bookings of medium range tankers, either for storage or just to get the fuel out on the water because it can go on the pipeline. Um, And so the, the hope, of course, is always that you can supply some of your um, short positions by bringing the fuel over there by ship rather than piping it. Um, That doesn't always work. You know, there's draft restrictions. And of course, a lot of the markets supplied by Colonial are not on the water. They're inland or off a trunk trunk line. So um, you can't get there by coast anyway. Um, But they, they, they worked on that. You know, we saw tankers being sent out of Europe to bring gasoline to New York Harbor or parts of the Atlantic coast as well. Um, and I think that the, you know, the, for the inland markets, the focus was really on, you know, let's, let's figure out how we can get trucks coming in from terminals further afield because that terminal right there off of a colonial trunk line is, going to be looking pretty dry within a yeah. few days do you, do you think we're kind of in a in a situation where we have somewhat of a perfect storm when this happened because we were moving into summer gasoline season with a lot of how should i say uh presumptions that we're going to see shortage in truck drivers for moving gasoline diesel from the terminals the truck racks to retail stations now this happened and all of a sudden we need additional trucks and longer hauls and perhaps uh, more frequent cycles to cover product in further reaches to the downtime. Is this this truck driver issue, is it temporary or will we continue to see as the pipeline restarts a continued additional call on truckers uh, for, for a period of time? It's, it's tough. I, I think you're right that it's a tricky time when it's RVP transition season mm. when, yeah. you know, the, the states require that, um, that that gasoline sellers transition to a, a 
a um, more environmentally friendly, I suppose, um, gasoline. So that does add a bit of pressure on the supply chain. In terms of the, you know, the the truck drivers. To me, it to me, if you know, if the if the pipe comes back back on, if the main lines come back on by the end of the week and the terminals start getting replenished, then there's really a temporary thing, and we do have waivers in place. We're back um, to baseline then at that point, huh? I think so. I, I do think though that um, you know people love saying perfect storm, but um, there's a bit of that going on here because you know among other things, um, like you said, there's a labor shortage, especially for um, guys who can drive big big rigs carrying hazardous materials. And um, the other thing is, listen, if there's one thing people have learned during the age of COVID, it was how to go out and buy things that they don't necessarily need. So it's not helpful if you know the entire mar- the entire consumer consumer base goes out and tries to buy gasoline on the same day because they understand that there's a problem. Yeah, everyone's triggered, right? Uh, right. The, the down cycle. Yeah. And, and the truth is, if everyone walked out on any given day, everything running perfect to buy gasoline and fill up every tank in their house, there would be a shortage too, right? Yeah. It's just not built that way. Well, Dave, this is, this is an interesting issue in that, you know, federal relief for allowing truckers go beyond their time limits, um, you know, Jones Act relief for allowing additional fixtures to move product on water from U.S. port to U.S. port and the Jones Act issues. Um, it seems like with such a major infrastructure loss and the significance of this exposure, why weren't we seeing earlier immediate action for relief or was it typical? I think it's a real case of you're you're faced with something that's a surprise and it's a great unknown. When you think about, you know, things in the past that have impacted supply, there is usually something like a hurricane or a giant winter storm. And those are things that you can see coming for two or three days and you can prepare. But to suddenly just flip the light switch off and no longer have a pipeline flowing especially one that's crucial, um, that's a big deal. You know, if this had happened to a crude pipeline, it, it probably wouldn't have had that much of an impact because crude supplies are out there and on location um, in advance, right? Yeah. So, Hey, John, on, on some of the localized issues, since this pipeline has a lot of spurs, branches that supply markets through, what, 17-some-odd states from Houston all the way up to Linden, New Jersey, the, some of the midsections, Atlanta market, North Carolina, whatnot, are seeing temporary shortages or at least runouts from consumer excitement that Dave was just kind of alluding to. Do, do you think that we'll see changes in terms of how contingencies are, are covered from trading or inventory management or how people think about the consolidation of, of market coverage? Um, through this system, or is it just operated so long, so well, and this is a one-off incident, uh, we're back to business as usual? I, I mean, the, I think the short answer is no. <laughs> nothing nothing really changes. Because like Dave was saying, it's, you know, these are, these are contingencies that are very difficult to plan for. You know, it's colonial today. It's some unexpected event on plantation or on the Magellan pipeline tomorrow. Um, so, you know, I... I 
I think the oil industry is actually very, very good. The fuels industry is very good at getting around these problems, yeah. mitigating them. You know, these guys, they know very well how to get around an infrastructure issue that arises. So I don't necessarily see there being a need for sort of higher inventories. Do you think that traders are going to be able to take advantage of the situation or they're just waiting it out? I think they have to wait it out. I mean, there's, yeah, it's not, I don't know how you can have a position that's going to behoove you on this because let's say you were long product. Well, no one's going to buy it from you because they're having a hard time moving it. And if you, and let's say you really needed it, well, it doesn't matter. You can't really get it. So it's a, and that's why prices didn't move, right? Because there was no, there's no winner or loser in this situation. It's basically a stalemate. But I think if you were short on stocks um, down at the Gulf, you know, stocks positions were not that high. It was a good opportunity to pick things up at a maybe slightly diminished price. Good point. True. Or if you had, you know, we mothballed, what, almost um, a third of the Jones Act vessels last year during COVID because of lack of demand. Now, let's say you just happen to have a couple of those ready to go. Um, that would have been good. So what happens to all these barrels that end up on the water or in inventory tucked away? Do they find their way back into the system and we end up oversupplied for a while? or And, and therefore temper what would have been summer gasoline price support uh, that kind of mitigates some upside potential that may have been there? Well, potentially, but some of the refiners have um, curtailed run operations because, um, mm-hmm. you know, a great way, a great, a great way to look at, you know, the old Lucille Ball sketch where the candy's coming down the conveyor belt. Well, that's really how the whole process works from crude to refinery to pipeline to consumer. And if it stops and starts or speeds up or slows down, it, it can throw everything else out of whack. And if you don't have, the ability to move it, your product's going to build up pretty mm-hmm. fast if you don't have anywhere to put it. Good point. And I think it's interesting, you know, we, Gulf Coast has tolerated all kinds of shutdowns and impacts, uh, hurricane season, winter storm Uri recently, uh, the COVID down cycle was astronomically extreme compared to anything we've seen in the industry before. So hopefully um, with this pipeline incident, uh, industry is prepared and learned and ready for, you know, contingencies and trade coverage through the balance of hurricane season that's just getting started here in the Gulf Coast uh, starting in June. So any other uh, parting thoughts from you guys on kind of what what happens through the summer? Uh, we back to business as usual, it sounds like, right? Um, European volumes are coming in and keeping New York supplied. Gulf Coast rebalances and catches up. And we end up in our our original steady state. I think the um, you know the EPA made some moves this year that simplified gasoline specifications for the summertime. That's right. So actually, I think is you know pipelines being shut down or, or tremendously damaging storms. This year should actually be fairly stable. Um, more so than in the past. And if you have a problem, it should be easier to navigate quicker. That's a good point, Dave. We, we put a white paper out on that for all our listeners. Uh, you can go to our website and pick up the white paper that describes what the streamlining 
the EPA uh, specs mean, uh, aromatics testing requirements being changed, and more fungibility is what Dave's referring to, right, on uh, being able to cover volumes from different supply sources versus single grade that was compliant for uh, a given market with all the boutique grades in the past. Um, the paper's available, but in that respect, I, I guess we're, we're pushing off into the summer, a hurricane season ahead. Um, encourage everyone to monitor our price spreads, uh, our key benchmarks in the Gulf Coast versus New York Harbor and European Eurobob numbers relative to New York Harbor for watching these arbitrages. And uh, they, they quickly represented that um, the, the coverage through this pipeline outage uh, was having little effect on the spot markets and industry was taking the barrels in hand and uh, working through the incident. Uh, we're still doing this recording during the downtime. Current expectations are it'll start up near the end of the week, if not sooner, and uh, already starting to see part of the line come back in service, I should say part of the system technically, uh, and hopefully some of the, the retail excitement and pull down comes to pass shortly and uh, things go back to, to normal for a good summer ahead. So I want to thank you, John and Dave. Thank you guys both for uh, doing the podcast here with me today. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to tune in for other episodes in our series of driving discussions. And for more information on Argus's uh, U.S. products coverage, uh, please visit us at www.argusmedia.com forward slash USP. That's argusmedia.com forward slash USP. And this is Stephen Jones wishing you um, a well for a happy summer ahead. And, um, and we'll keep you posted as things continue to move forward. So thank you for joining us. Take care.